It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Welcome to Crunch Time. Parker hurriedly onto the boot. Hine just plucked it out of midair. Hine can finish it! Hine the hero! Essendon go from ridicule in round nine to redemption in round 16. The double comeback put paid to Luke Parker in his 250th game aspirations and he goes from villain to loser at the MCG. Oliver, usual suspects, Langdon on his left, snaps and goals, what a ripper! An absolute corker from the long sleever. Well, it might be a case of if Oliver doesn't get you, Petrarca does, but sometimes they both just get you. Melbourne made to earn it by the Crows, but they are back to their best, the Ds. And with a nice run home, look out. Cameron comes in from 45. Man is out. Goal umpire didn't move. Brilliant goal from Jeremy Cameron for his second. And the Pussycats got a taste for Kangaroo. They feasted at GMHBA Stadium. What next for North Melbourne? Big fly, Majacek from the back. Hoskin Elliott row, front of the pack. Break free from the tackle, and he's put Collingwood in front. Collingwood are going to hang on. That's it. Done. Collingwood win a thriller. Six in a row for the Pies. It was a finals-like atmosphere. The Suns will wonder what might have been in that third quarter where they dominated everything but scoreboard. And the Pies are starting to believe that September isn't just a pipe dream, might just be a reality. Well, it's a very good afternoon to you. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Sam Hargraves filling in for Nat Edwards. Never fear, she will be back next week. And we are at the home of sport in this country, the mighty MCG. Beautiful blue skies up ahead, and it's all gearing up for what will hopefully be a ripping contest between the Tigers and the Eagles. The Eagles with their second win last year. The Tigers just outside the eight, and like all teams are finding out this week, you cannot take any team lightly because they might just put a dent in your finals hopes. Pleasure to be joined, as always, by the former Crow, the former Cat, uh, and now just dominating the airwaves on AFL Nation is Josh Jenkins. Hello, mate. Good, uh, good morning, Sam. Where is Nat? What, what, what is her story? Because she, she arrived... What is her story? She arrived... Well, Nat Edwards was born... Uh, she arrived know. with uh, much fanfare as a new recruit to host Sunday Crunch Time. Her and I had committed to... Had to had, what are you? Um, well, someone's just at? laid a West Coast uh, uh, person has just laid down on the MCG just to get a shot for the gram. 
Okay, well, th- I, I'll see what the so I've got the Bushnells binoculars up to the eyeballs. And I'm looking in the right forward pocket, City End. There is an official-looking person in West Coast gear who's put a kangaroo, a toy kangaroo, on the ground. And they, they themselves Laying lying, down. stomach down, like they're trying to sneak up on an enemy position. It's for the gram. It's, it's got to be for the gram. Definitely for the gram. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry, but that's I don't blame you for being distracted by no, that. I'm that now was, very curious. It was strange. Well, we'll better jump on and follow the West Coast Eagles, Graham, and uh, see what see what bobs up. But um, pleasure to be here. It's a beautiful. We've got the potential now. We know Melbourne, uh, the weather in Melbourne can uh, chop and change. But right here, right now, four minutes past eleven, it is absolutely beautiful. And uh, as always, plenty to talk about on the back of. Some very interesting games that, on their own, none of them worry me. To, you know, I'm not, there's no one I'm thinking, no. oh, God. Can, can but I, the ladder, my goodness gracious oh yeah. me. We'll, we'll go through the winners in just a moment. We'll go through the ladder. Can I just apologise in the intro? Luke Parker is one of my favourite players in the game. And the finish to that sentence was supposed to be from villain to loser in his 250th. But I got my words jumbled around and it sounded very disrespectful. Just called him a loser. Coming, well, I, I, accidentally and inadvertently no. I did. No, so everyone, the, no, no, he, no one thought that. I always say that, uh, that Luke Parker is the second greatest uh, thing to come out of Lang Warren. Uh, just behind Jack Heverin. So uh, I love Luke Parker, one of my favourite players, and, and in his 250th game, he was phenomenal. He was the villain, as we know, was booed roundly yesterday, but in no way, shape or form would I ever think to call Luke Parker, a premiership player and All-Australian, second in the Brownlow in 2016, three-time Robert Rose medalist for the game's most courageous, and a three-time Bob Skilton medalist. These are just off the top of my head, JJ. So I just wanted to apologise to Luke to the whole Parker family and to he'll the be, Sydney Swans fraternity because it wasn't my intention. I meant from villain to loser in game two. No, he'll be in the air on the way back to uh, back to Sydney, so well, he won't have heard it. He he normally does tune in, but today because he'll be uh, yeah. on the on the and virgin. If he was, and if he was to be told, it'd be who the hell is Sam Hargraves? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I don't think he'd be too stressed about it. But no, we'll um, just you've squared up. No, I'm a big fan of Luke Parker, so I didn't want that to uh, be misconstrued in any way, shape, or form. So we'll just quickly start with the winners of the round so far. Um, if you're just catching up and you just need uh, to be brought up to speed, you might have had a, a really busy weekend, and I don't blame you. Uh, 41 points lines over the Dogs on Thursday night. The Blues really did let one slip, and St Kilda really um, turned their fortunes around off the last couple of weeks. I don't think anyone would have tipped this, but a 15-point win to St Kilda over the Blues. And then yesterday here at the MCG, what a turnaround from the Bombers, beaten by West Coast last week, West Coast's just second win. Round nine, the Swans touched them up to the tune of 58 points. It was a humiliating day for the Bombers. That was in Dyson Heppel's 200th. In Luke Parker's 250th, Essendon came back not once, JJ, mm. but twice mm. from 26 points down. Huge. Uh, a nine-point win in the end, which we'll dive into in much greater detail, of course. Uh, the Adelaide Oval, after a beautiful tribute to the late, great uh, Neil Knuckles Curley. Knuckles. Um, Adelaide conceded the first three, then kicked the next four. They were only uh, a point down at half time, but uh, in the second half, Melbourne flexed. Crows hung in there. They got back to within a kick early in the last, but uh, Melbourne probably just too powerful, probably just too much polish in the end. MHBA Stadium, we'll get you to fill us in on this in just a moment, but a, another dark day in uh, what is a more and more gloomy season. North Melbourne continue to sink into the quicksand, unfortunately for them. 
Um, the review going on at the moment as well. The last thing they needed was 112 points shellacking, but that's what they got. Um, only seven scoring shots uh, for North Melbourne in the end, and the Cats put 21-18 on the board. Hawkins, six. Cameron, four from 30 disposals, if you don't mind, from a full forward. Uh, so 112-point winner Geelong over North. And then last night in, in what was really a final for, for both the teams, the Suns really, their, their finals hopes now are very slender. And Collingwood goes six in a row. And the Suns kicked 8-14 to Collingwood's 9-13. The third quarter, the Suns kicked 1-5 to just one behind. And we'll just be sitting there thinking, mm. did we let that slip 14 points up on a wet and slippery evening at our home deck? I think the answer would be yes, but full credit to Collingwood. Uh, but it comes at a cost. Darcy Moore now, we just wait anxiously to see. Um, hopefully it's the best-case scenario with his knee that he ended up in crutches on. It was late in that game, and um, I don't think there would have been a dry eye in many a place. He's a, a really well-liked and well-admired. You don't want to see any player get injured, um, and the Suns have got a couple of injury concerns of their own. But um, it was yeah devastating to see Darcy Moore uh, go down. So this is Sunday crunch time, uh, of course. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Get involved at any point uh, of the morning and into the afternoon. So JJ, why don't we start um, with the biggest winners and losers from round fourteen so far? The bit, well, you, you you can't look past the obvious. North Melbourne again. Mm. You, we shouldn't become numb to these types of losses for them, and 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 nor should they, because um, as you said, I was down there working uh, for the Cats and. You do get caught up in the game and, you know, lots of things happening down on the bench. So, um, yeah, the score and the dominance probably isn't as, as obvious to me working there as it is to someone sitting at home, mm. seeing stats thrown at them. And, you now I had no idea Jeremy Cameron had, had had 30 disposals. I would have said he'd had 15 or 16, but that's just uh, what it's like when you're down there on the bench. But in the end, I mean, you know, the ruse completely blown off the park. Only nine inside 50s, I believe, in the second half. That is... Staggeringly low. I'm keen to talk about what they're doing with Ben Mackay, particularly over the past couple of weeks. Uh, key forwards have been dominating against the Kangaroos. So Tex Walker and Darcy Fogarty combined for 10 goals Ooh. down in Tassie. Mackay plays as a forward and has four disposals and a goal last night. Hawkins kicks six. Cameron kicks four. So another 10 between the two big boys. Mackay plays forward again and has three touches. I, for the life of me, and, and watching them, and again, I was uh, very intently focused on what we were doing and not much about what they were doing, but they did look to be uh, protecting themselves a little bit last night, North Melbourne. They are rolling one back in general play. They were playing hard 1v1. They were very uh, safe with ball in hand. And then, but everything was... Uh, shaped to me and and to to those watching for them sort of you know wanting to just keep the game as close as possible and as safe as possible but then they're playing their best key stopper as a forward I didn't really understand that haven't really understood it and Ben McKay's actually had a really good record on Tom Hawkins and that's something that can't be said for too many tall backs so a little bit strange to see him up in the front half they kicked three goals late in that first quarter and show a little bit of spirit. Zerhar, I think, kicks one after quarter time and they get around him and they, mm. they, they show a bit of life and you know, we go in at quarter time and think, you know what, here we go, it's a game. We, uh, we didn't expect it to be a complete walkover, 3-5 to 3-1 at quarter time, but from then on, 18 goals to two after quarter time, that is as, as bad as it gets, Sam, as bad as it gets from a ruse point of view. So that's the, that's the obvious one, but then you get the, 
when you when you look at the ladder, Carlton's losses is is bad. Sydney's loss is bad, but probably helps Carlton a little bit. And Gold Coast's loss is really bad because it gets really, really hard for Gold Coast to to to, to be in there now. And um, yeah. what are they? Two games, two games plus, out, plus a little bit of percentage. Or yeah, is they've percentage got they've okay? got St Kilda at the moment covered for percentage. Um, but two full games out is is um, is is a lot to make up because there aren't a lot of games left. So yep. they're going to have to get rolling, and I think they they will rue the fact that last week and this week in the games played really good footy, about a goal total in 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 both losses. But they go zero and two. They needed to go at least one and one to continue to give themselves a a legitimate chance. So. A few teams lose games that, that, that might cost them at the end of the year in terms of where they finish on the ladder. But, again, hard to look past what happened at uh, GMHBA Stadium last night. Yeah, uh, all very good points, uh, all very well made, uh, as they always are uh, by you, JJ. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> biggest winner, biggest I think, winner. is a really interesting one. If you just take it on the round itself, so just on the round, if, if, if you had no history, if there was nothing that had come before this, mm-hmm. and you just look at, um, look at the, who the biggest winner has been, I, I would think, well, I'm just, gonna, I'm just about to contradict myself, actually, because you do need to think about what's been uh, beforehand. But take away any finals context, the biggest winner is Essendon. You reckon? Oh, it's a big win finals, for them. Take away finals. Aspirations. So, in the terms of finals, then you're right. The biggest winners are St Kilda. St Kilda. Yep. The biggest yep. winners are Collingwood. Yeah. Because they had to win those um, to stay in the hunt, uh, and now Collingwood are in sixth position on the ladder, and St Kilda are in eighth. If they don't win those games, both of them mm-hmm. are outside the eight, looking in. So, because Collingwood would have been out on percentage. So, um, So when you look at it like that, obviously from finals point of view, yes, those two teams are big winners. But Essendon, 58 points mm. they lost by when these mm. two teams last met. They were ridiculed on field and then off field. So they were ridiculed on field by Luke Parker. We all know. We've they seen were, it yep. a billion times now. But they were ridiculed for their lack of response to that. And then they were ridiculed for trying to show something the week after, which what people thought was a bit of a, a false economy, yep. you know, uh, misplaced bravado. Token. You had your chance. In this game, they didn't really worry with Luke Parker. There was a few little moments in the game where a few put some body on him. But they just refused to be bullied mm. again. They just refused to be embarrassed. And they got 26 points down early. They claw their way back. They got 26 points down late in the last. They, they claw their way back and they fight their way back. So I think that's the biggest win. I, lo- I like it. I-, I would still, I would stick with St Kilda because they were in free fall. Oh, yeah, understand. But I, the totally Essendon, understand. The Essendon factor uh, or the Essendon victory, huge, and you know they they claim a, a big scalp against the potential finalist or one of the teams who some people think you know can compete for it all. So a huge win in front of a really good crowd, forty three thousand here at the MCG yesterday. Mm. Uh, I reckon uh, forty of the forty three thousand were on the train. I was on on the <laughs> way back to Geelong last night, and it was good to see the Bombers fans up and about because it's been a bleak old year for them. But they played with some spunk, and they played a game style which I've been banging on for a few weeks. Now, I accept that it goes against the premiership profile, if you want to call it that. But they're not. this squad is not built to be a, a, a dour, hard-fought, 
grinded out defensive unit. They need to play with that momentum and that spunk and that spark and that energy and character. And that's what they did yesterday, even when they got down a long way. And you look at what they did in the final term. It was a wave. It was a wave of run. It was Stringer yep. running at the game. It was Parrish running at the game. It was Redmond. It was Jake Kelly even really taking the game on. And that's, you know, you think back a couple of years ago or last year even at when they play those, those really uh, exciting games at Marvel Stadium more so, it's just a, it's a real downhill attack. And that's what they did yesterday. They didn't put an enormous number on the board, but they scored 95. Yes, they gave up 86, which is higher than teams want to give up. But to me, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I think they are best suited to being a team like Brisbane who give up more points than the norm, but they score plenty themselves because uh, I think the proof was in the pudding yesterday when they uh, uh, put the accelerator down. They're a dangerous proposition. Essendon, the fourth worst defence in the competition. Sydney, the fourth best offence. And they were able to restrict them to below their, their average. Now, yep. Sydney contributed to that, and we are going to speak about goal kicking um, because I think it's, it's directly cost three teams. Mm. I think it's something that we accept now as part of the game. We seem to be okay with the fact that only six teams kick at 50% or over with their goal kicking accuracy. You're a forward. I'd like to get your insights into the balance between what the sports scientists are saying about load management and this and that, and then just what biomechanics has been saying in sport for a long time that if you are in a sport where you have something that is a, a, a mechanism that you use with your body over and over again, that you need to train it over and over again, like a golfer's swing, like a basketballer's free throw. And you've got an insight because you're an NBL player and also an AFL player. So you can talk to that as well. But well, Loose terms, NBL player, but uh, I'll go with it. So we, I, I want to speak about that at some point because if, if you're a fan and a supporter, and it's not something we talk much about when it comes to finals, but everyone wants to talk often about, an umpiring decision's going to cost a team a final. No, goal kicking's going to cost you a final. Mm, a goal kicking, it's more goal likely. kicking inaccuracy yep. is far more likely to cost you a final than an umpire's call, yet we week in, week out, day in, day out, hour in, hour out on this station and all our syndicated stations, we, all, we, we, we just get hell-bent on complaining about what umpiring calls might mm, do to a game. We do. What's inaccuracy doing to the game? Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's real, and it costs... It's cost Brisbane over the past couple of years. It's cost, yeah. Whether you can say it cost them the the game and the outcome of the game, we'll never know. But it cost them being three goals up or four goals up mm. or in the game. It's 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 you just got to go back and have a look at a qualifying final against Geelong and a won't even be a qualifying final up in Brisbane against Richmond. You just got to go back and have a look, and yeah. it has cost them. So it's it's mm. it's a tangible thing that we can see and we can touch and we can. Uh, understand it, and I agree with you that, that for me that it's too uh, too strong uh, uh, too strong things with goal kicking. Not enough guys have a a, a routine mm-hmm. that they absolutely go after. Now, you know, there's a million people who have kicked. Well, not a million, but there's a lot of people who kicked a lot more goals at AFL level than me. But I. I actually, I developed. Do you, do you remember re- what your accuracy was? Would no, you know? I don't. No, I would have no idea. We'll get someone to look at. No that idea. I, I, um, it should be good because I kicked all my goals <laughs> from the goal square. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love how you get in before. That is a. I think that is one of the myths of football. By the way, I've said this to you before. Your contested mark numbers are very good. Um, I appreciate that, Sam. I so the routines one. So I had a routine that I actually yeah. hated. I hated my routine. 
But it, I de- it developed almost on its own, and I mm. began to trust it so much that I thought I can't go away from it. So I used to, I used to uh, lick my finger, then wipe my shorts, and then do a little skip. Even at, at training, right? Okay. Everyone <laughs> would, everyone would be like, "Oh, have a look at, have a look at him. He's going to lick the finger and then skip and this and that." Yep. But if I didn't do it. I felt like I had no chance of kicking the goal from no matter where I was on the ground. Even if I took a mark on the goal line and I was going to be having a shot from six metres out, I still felt like I needed to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, I was shortchanging myself. And, and this will sound really silly, but my routine on your good days, and it's the same as golf or tennis or cricket, when you're hitting the ball yep. well. That's another great one. A tennis player's serve. How when many you, times? When you're kicking the ball well, different, at different stages for me, I I knew it was a goal when the ball was dropping from my hand to my foot because I'd done my routine, I'd mm. focused intently on it, and that was something I trusted so much. It was times where I thought the ball's dropping, I thought this is a goal. You know that split second in your head, oh beautiful, this feels so good. I just know it's going to be true. So the routine is one. A lot of midfielders don't have routines, wingers don't have routines. A lot of high half forwards don't have routines. The other thing is, and this is probably even more to the point, you just can't replicate the situation. You, so call it whoever, Liam Ryan today or Jack Revolt today, you cannot replicate the situation of 40,000, 35,000 people. You can't replicate that. And that's, that's why it has to be innate, doesn't it? That's why it has to be muscle memory. And that's why you've got to get that routine to yeah. a point where it's like, if I focus on my routine, yeah. which takes away the 35,000 people and whatever Shane Edwards on the mark saying or you know Nick Nat standing on the mark, whatever is going on around me, mm. if, I, if I absolutely hone in on my routine, then it gives me a great chance to A, kick the goal because I've got a routine that I trust, but also block out the scenario because that, that is the thing that you can't replicate. And I've been at clubs for the last 11 years trying to replicate, oh, you know, r- wrestle before you have a shot so you're fatigued. It's it's not about that. It's about being able to block out the noise and the crowd and the atmosphere to be able to get the job done and focus in on your you, routine. You talk about the fact that you looked a bit silly. Do you reckon Johnny Wilkinson cared how silly he looked? No, that's right. When he was the most least, lethal Rafa converter Rafa in, in rugby history. whole tennis match is a routine. Yeah, absolutely. Not stepping so, on the lines and picking wedgies and that. Like Steve Smith, the exact same. So um, some of the best in the world have routines that they refuse to go away from. That's why every good bar, every, the greatest basketballers of all time will do hours on hours of training and then finish training, as you well know, with as many free throws as they and can. And the routine's the same the routine's every time. Routine's the same. Golfer, get fatigued, go out, hit shot after shot after shot. I'm going to throw to the break with these stats, and these are the three teams. So the Blues, their last 19 shots at goal, they scored only four goals and had four non-scores. Kurnow kicked 1-4. Mackay had a couple that he tried to banana and snap from long range. It didn't quite work out. The Swans, from 20 inside 50s in the third term, kicked 2-8. 2-8. Papley kicked 1-3 for the day and had one that didn't make the distance. We love Tommy Papley, but I'm just pointing out, not to be, get personal, but just to point out a couple of these. The Suns, in the third term where they dominated against the Pies, 1-5 to 1 behind. They were 14 points up. Costly. In the last term. Pies needed to kick the last three, and they were able to kick the last three. They took their chances yep. when they presented. Yes, the Pies were inaccurate too, but that third term was dominated by the Suns, and they could not capitalise, and it might have just cost them finals. And goal kicking is going to cost teams either getting in or getting further. Uh, this is Sunday Crunch Time. The 
award-winning Crunch Time. Here's Dangerfield out of the centre. Kicks it to an open goal square. It's about the bounce. It's through. Mark the time, 13 seconds. Oh, boy. Zach Guthrie long inside. Attacking 50. Cameron the lead. Rose above three to take a classic mark. From 45. Man is out. Goal umpire didn't move. Giving it everything. Everything. Magnificent hit. Very nicely called from what's hot, Matthew Cox, Julian Marcus and Adam Cooney, who are your AFL Nation call team for the 112-point demolition job that the Cats uh, inflicted upon the Ruse. It's their second 100-plus point uh, loss of the year. Uh, Their first was the 108-point loss in round three. Sam Hargraves, Josh Jenkins with you on Sunday Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. So there's a fair few numbers to go through, but let's, JJ, let's wait and have our say until we've heard what the coaches had to say. Um, This was Dave Noble, and it's hard to find a positive when you've had seven scoring shots uh, from only 25 inside 50s. To put that into perspective, Geelong had 74 inside 50s, but this was Dave Noble after the game, looking for a positive. Well, you've still got to celebrate the little bits that we do well, Pete, I think. I'm still a believer in that growth mindset of understanding what the pieces that we're doing well at times are, and then how do we harness that energy and replicate that time and time and time again. How can we get more portions of the game that we played in the first quarter and a bit in the heat of battle when teams are coming at us in the third and fourth? That seems to be where we're we're lacking at the moment. Um, you know, we, we feel that our our best footy stacks up okay um, for a young group. I mean, we've got some really young, skinny bodies out there and Paul Lazaro, Spicer, Marnie, you know, Paul Curtis, you know, against some hardened units. So that that's a challenge in itself. But I think you've got to keep investing in the things that you actually find that you're doing well and reinforce those hard and celebrate those wins along the way that you get. So, Josh Jenkins, what could you see as some wins uh, for Kangaroos? Uh, I like Paul Curtis. Shows a bit. Yeah, doesn't um, he? Yep. Uh, sort of dangerous uh, left footer, creative. Um, Effort. Yeah, played, uh, played, played a good game last night, I thought. Again, hard for me to, to really get a good um, judgment on, on the Kangaroos guys and even hard for me to get a good judgment on our guys because of just the, the role that I was uh, fulfilling last night, I thought uh, Davis Uniac was solid around the footy, started the game in great fashion. And the Roos, to their credit, Geelong have three, it was 3 2 20 to, to zip quick. And, and it was like, oh, hello. This, mm. We've seen this move. Oh, Dangerfield, what was it? For, 10 seconds yeah. out of the middle? Yes. Welcome back. Give him five weeks off uh, all the time. Um, <laughs> So no, it, maybe not. Early on, it Hard was like time that going into finals. Early on, I thought, uh, "Oh, hello, this could yeah. uh, this could open right up." But to their credit, three goals in the back half of the quarter. Zuhar, as I mentioned earlier, kicks a goal uh, after the siren, and and they get themselves up and about. And you think, "Okay, here they go." So credit to them for that. But after that, it was just one way traffic. Ooh. So I, I, I accept what. David Noble is saying, but gee, it would, ha- it would be hard to. It is a real reach to be getting too excited about anything that happened last night from a North Melbourne's perspective. Um, yeah. Again, Mackay, you know, playing in my opinion at the wrong end of the ground. Aaron Hall injured. Kane Turner injured. Uh, you know, 
what's happening. Hugh Greenwood's not getting it done. Stevenson went back, ended up having 25 disposals, but you know, it didn't feel like a an impactful performance. Um, you know, the Cats' tall forwards get off the chain. The Cats' mids get plenty of the footy. So, yeah, uh, I, I hear you, David, but uh, I'm not sure I can, uh, can, uh, can go with you on that. So this is the thing. When Dave Noble and Chris Fagan took over at Brisbane, this stuff happened. They, they got pantsed. Uh, pretty regularly uh, with a really young group. Uh, it won't rattle him too much, as you, as you heard there, but it's clearly going to rattle uh, the upper echelons of power at the North Melbourne Footy Club. So Sonia Hood, uh, the uh, the president, brought yep. in Jeff Walsh. Um, it wasn't a review initially. Now we just accept this is a review into the football department. Uh, Dave Noble was asked after the game about uh, Jeff Walsh um, in his first week. Walsh has been around long enough you know, at, at a couple of clubs now to know that, you know, our job's to sort of get on with it. Um, that's how he's positioned it. You know, I had an early chat to Dan and myself last week and trying to stay as unobtrusive as he can um, in order to let us keep doing what we're trying to do. So, um, yeah, that, that's sort of how it's been positioned. So at the moment, that's where it's at. No, I had a call from Al Nicholson um, early in the week as to whether or not um, I don't, I trust Jeff um, I don't. I don't certainly believe, from um, my perspective, that there's a conflict. So I passed it on to Al and said, "No, I was, I was pretty okay with it." So I'm not sure if he checked with the other coaches, but yeah, from my side of things, I was, I was fine. North Melbourne coach Dave Noble after the game, just on Jeff Walsh and how he's integrating himself uh, within the four walls as part of his review into the football department, and uh, him just uh, basically saying that he has no issues with him and doesn't believe there's a conflict of interest given his role on the board of the AFL Coaches Association. So as I said before, Dave Noble's seen this before in the early days of Brisbane. The difference is that, um, you know, um, that Andrew Hamilton didn't um, call in someone to do yep. a review. Yep. Uh, either, yep. did, you know, Greg Swan, the CEO, didn't either. So there wasn't that pressure on them. They just trusted in the process. They knew it was going to be a long-term rebuild and they just set their sights on it. They didn't put KPIs on wins. Um, they just wanted to first teach the group how they wanted them to play and then let them develop into that. Um, but well, it, can would, I, it would seem that he's not going to get that time. Can here. I test your uh, memory on that? So w- with the Brisbane rebuild, mm. uh, so this is David Noble's third season at the helm of... Second. Second season. So was there a significant regression at Brisbane from what, year one to two or two to three? Because yeah, I reckon, didn't they go from 15th to 18th and then back up and then within a year they went from, I think, 15th to second? Because the... the uh, I'll, I'll just go and have to have a look at that. I think the regression... Now, North were, were, were ordinary last year, but to me the regression feels significant at, at North this year. Mm. Um, and you know it, it happens regularly. There was... Hawthorne regressed in Clarkson's second year. Richmond regressed... This is off the top of my head, and the text will tell me if I'm wrong, but I've looked at this before, and my memory says that Hawthorne regressed under Clarkson. Yep. Uh, Richmond regressed under uh, Damien Hardwick. Yep. Um, and I reckon if you go back, I think Geelong improved second year under um, the Bomber Thompson, but regressed maybe the third year after that, and, and significant. So I- Mo- moving, moving the coach on tomorrow or this week or next week won't, Solve much at all in my in my opinion. You actually, no. what you're doing is actually restarting almost the whole thing because um, someone else is going to come in with a new philosophy and a new you know probably a, a desire to bring in some staff uh, who who he 
or she wants to to have at the helm. So I don't think moving the coach on is 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 a very good idea at all. I think you need to to stay the course and 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 at least get to the end of the season, if not next season, and 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 let, and let it play out now. I had that wrong about Brizzy. They went from 18th to 15th and then up into... So they, right, so they didn't the have a significant... Now, North have gone from... North were 18th. No, they didn't, but they had their issues for the two years. They, they, oh, were, they were ordinary the last yeah. year, no doubt about it. They had some some um, some start, startling losses last year, but it feels like... It feels like this year's a lot worse. Now, we're prisoners of the moment, of course, so you know, you'd have to go back and really uh, have a look at some of the numbers from last year and the games and how things... Mm. Uh, play themselves out, but it it, it it feels very bleak. And even, I'll, I'll ask you because I, it feels a bit inappropriate for me considering the role I played last night. But how many guys in the Ruse side are you are you looking and saying, I would I would I would really really like that guy to come and play for my team? Like it doesn't feel um, like many. So, it's I, I would. Que- t- it's a it, look. It's a good question. Mackay um, Davies Uniac. Um, Larky are the three that really stand don't out. Maybe don't, Simkin. Don't underestimate Ben Cunnington not being there. I mean, if you look back yeah, over the last, 30 I know, but look back over the last ten years, and it's he's in the top three or four contested possession and centre clearance players over the duration. I mean, he he doesn't get the accolades of the Cripses and no, he's, just, and the he's old, an but, outstanding but he's an player. Outs- but he's and not... so they always felt like they were in the contest um, when he was there. One player doesn't fix 112 points. No. I know. Um, so you, the question is, so. For me, I look at like Jed Anderson, absolutely. Luke Davies Uniac, I would take Jed Anderson, absolutely. What I'd, I'd have, I'd have a Jed Anderson in my team. Uh, I'd have um, Luke Davies Uniac. I'd have uh, Aaron Hall. I'd have Todd Goldstein, Luke McDonald, Jai Simkin. Yeah, there, there, a, there's there's some players. You're a little kinder than I am. Cam Zerha, I'd have. Yeah, uh, Zerha. Yep, I think he's a talented forward, a, a third forward for sure, third tall forward for sure. Um, I'm not with you on a couple, but uh, you're you're a you're a you're a kinder man than I am, and you've seen much more footy than I have. I'm talking about, um, you know, finals teams. They just don't. To me, they don't look like they've got a lot of guys who who, who yeah. And the young guys, you need to give them time. Again, you know, Curtis, we're just you know, we're seeing the the very very start of his career. You know, Spicer and Marnie and. Uh, you know, there's a fair few guys who we, we we shouldn't pass judgment on them at all yet, but uh, there are a few who are in there who are either you know north of 26 who aren't doing a lot and aren't helping them uh, stay in games, and 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 they aren't helping them play a game style that looks like something we can see them being successful with in a, in a few years. Eleven straight games uh, over 40 points. Uh, the next worst is AFL seven straight. Record. VFL, AFL, so Fitzroy 95, West Coast in 2022, uh, which obviously this year, and GWS in 2013. So Cats have now won six on the march, so too is Collingwood. So the Cats and the Pies are two informed teams of the competition. No, so would De Koning-Stewart, but they brought Paddy Dangerfield back. I think he had 17 disposals. Kicked the first goal of the game. This was Chris Scott post-match on Danger. Players these days, not just in our team, across the whole competition, I don't think they get enough credit for getting out there and playing when they're less than perfect. And he's been in that boat for a a number of years and and early um, this year. So I was supremely confident that when he was feeling his best and had the right uh, amount of um, training behind him, that he'd look as good as he did when he was 28. And I saw signs of that tonight. So that preparation he's had, it's easy to say it, now the the proof I think will be 
um, over the next month or so. It's another reason for us to have some optimism. Congratulations to Mitch Duncan too, Premiership player in 2011. Uh, 250 games for him. The typical Mitch Duncan game it was. 30 was. disposals, 83% disposal efficiency. He had 10 score involvements and two goal assists. But you've got to give credit to the forward line. Um, they feasted. 25 marks inside 50. Hawkins had 10 marks, 19 disposals. He kicked 6-3, 14 score involvements. Jeremy Cameron was their highest disposal getter with um, Mitch Duncan. He kicked 4-3 from 30 disposals and 12 score involvements. And Stengel kicked another two. Uh, you can set your watch to him. Close got a couple as well. Um, it's uh, Yeah, it was just everything just came up, Cats, as you'd expect. Uh, so they're back at GMHBA. Thursday to face the reigning Premiers. Chris Scott reflected on that game in round 23 last year, the extraordinary comeback, Max Gorn after the siren. This was Chris Scott looking ahead to Thursday. Uh, yeah, I'm such a look forward kind of guy. Like, I just don't buy it. I think the counterfactuals are so easy after the fact. Oh, you know, if this, then that. Like, who knows what would have happened? But, Does it play on anyone's mind coming up? Uh, about which bit? The fact that we were 40 points up at halftime or the fact that we lost? Because I think they cancel each other out a little bit. If you're going to be a little bit negative that we lost the game with the last... I mean, the last 30 seconds was a comedy, if you actually think back to it. I mean, when was the last time you've seen a free kick, a 50-metre penalty paid for punching the ball? over? Like, it was just one of those things. But if you want to be the glass half-full goal, we were 40 points up at halftime or whatever it was against... And I don't think anyone realised how good they were then. But, you gee, they flushed the next month, didn't they? Yeah, and you've clearly remembered it. Like, it's not... Yeah, but, but when I'm a look-forward guy, I mean, I can, I can relate Mitch Duncan's kick to Tom Hawkins in the 2014 you know, game at the MCG. I, yeah, I've got the capacity to do that. Hazy. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm focused on it, though. So, looking ahead, he's a look-forward kind of guy, and we look forward to that Thursday night. It's very sad that we won't have Thursday night footy for the rest of the year. The last one, though, I mean, if, you had to, if, we, if we have to accept that we're not having Thursday night footy for the rest of the season, I guess we can be satisfied in the knowledge that we are getting a 1v2 match, Oof. and that is Melbourne, Geelong. Uh, Melbourne touched them up in that prelim, and, uh, and yeah, they came back from uh, 40-odd points. Down at halftime. Maxi should be back. Luke Jackson, my yep. man, should be back. So uh, that'll be on. Uh, injuries. Aaron Hall subbed out the opening minutes with a quad. Kane Turner, head knock, uh, left for the rest of the game. Jake Collar-Jasney subbed out with concussion. Taron Thomas might come back next week. Um, missing last night's game due to personal reasons. And uh, we're wishing him all the best uh, with the tragedy in the family before uh, the Crows game last week. Jason Horn francis available. And this is interesting to play into the break. Uh, David Noble flagging, though, that he might not be a walk-up start coming back from suspension, the number one draft pick. Yeah, Jace will be available this week. Not sure where he'll be as far as selection goes. A couple of injuries, you know, may open things up. But he's had two weeks off, so, you know, he, he may need to come through the VFL. The award-winning Crunch Time. Sunday Crunch Time from everybody's happy place, the MCG on a Sunday afternoon. Tigers and Eagles, the first game this afternoon that you'll hear on AFL Nation. In the meantime, plenty to get through from yesterday. Josh Jenkins, as we went to the break, played you the audio of Dave Noble saying that after uh, missing a little bit of footy, Jason Horn francis and we know the reasons why with the suspension, um, might come back through the Magoos. Thoughts? 
interesting. Interesting. Um, some will say, uh, some will query whether that, that decisions like that, you might as well just drop him off at the uh, departure lounge at uh, Virgin <laughs> and send him on his way because, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, he, there's, there's, there hasn't been this amount of, has there ever been this amount of noise about a, a first year number one draft pick moving this quickly? Like, did Tom Boyd move after his first year or was it his second? Yeah, one or two. And it wasn't quite as noisy and ugly as this, was it? Because uh, Boyd was 2013 draft, wasn't he? Number one pick 2013. Um, he was a couple of years there. Anyhow, I mean, uh, I don't know. If, 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 was he 2014? There's two sides to every story with Horn Francis, right? Like, mm. So there's, there's Horn Francis' point of view and then there's Norse's point of view. Now, Norse's point of view is... Now, we're, 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 we're surmising a little bit, but from the outside, it looks like North want to change his attitude and some of his behaviour and some of the way he trains and the way he conducts himself with older, more experienced teammates. So that's North's view. Yeah. Horn Francis's view is, what is this mess? Like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I was, they picked me, I didn't pick them, I can go home, they want me, they desperately want me. Adelaide have shown some signs that their rebuild is more advanced than North Melbourne's. That'll be, you know, TBC to be confirmed after two or three years. But Port Adelaide are, are been in the mix. Yep, are still fighting. Have got some really good guys. Well, there. hey, they were within a kick uh, first in the start of the last quarter against the reigning premiers. That's so. right. So you know, there's 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 uh, there's an attractive um, lure for Horn Francis on multiple fronts to go home. But I mean, playing him in the if he is disgruntled. But what does it say playing him in the if VFL, you cave like to the whims? And I'm not having. I don't know Jason Horn Francis. Neither I, do I. So this is not. And I don't. I don't know if this is what. But let's say. Let's say that it is. And from what we're told, he's just passionate. Loves it. He he he's invested. He, you know, he's got high standards and all that. He's an emotive guy. Great. I, I won't judge someone on that because I'm an emotive guy as well. What if they're just trying to say that to get along, to go along, you've got to get along. Like mm-hmm. you. We, it's not all about you. you. We need you to fit in with what we're doing, not us fit in with yeah. what you're doing. Do you, do you have to that. set some boundaries, some parameters, yes. yep. a bit of tough love here? Again, I don't know. He, he, we, this all might be so far blown out of proportion than what we're seeing, just a little bit of back and forth on the footy field. And he might be, he might be yes sir, no sir every day at training. We don't know. But but if it's a if you go to the far ends of of this conversation about what the possibilities are that he is like. So if that's the case, then isn't it upon them as a first-year player to say, you're, you're a rookie and you will fit into how we want things done, not the other way around? I would say, yes, I would say handle it from Monday to Friday, right? Handle the issues with him from Monday to Friday. And, and, and the reality is, for, for whatever you may he – is, he is, he's probably their sixth or seventh player picked. There, there are uh, – Heap of guys who are who have performed uh, to a lesser standard than he has. So if if there are some things to be worked out, handle them from Monday to Friday. Sit down with the kid one v one and just you know start to explain this is what it needs to look like. We don't want to see you um, you know chirping with Todd Goldstein or, or or some of our older, more experienced players when they give you some feedback. Wouldn't you much rather that though than apathy? Yes, I just I just don't. You, you just, to me, putting him in the, playing him back through the VFL, what that does mm. is, and I don't know this again, but you might get the manager on the phone. 
what's going on here? Mm. Why are we? What, hang on. Why are we in the VFL? A, because on performance we should be playing AFL. This is what it does. You might get his mate saying, "Hang on, what? They, what are they doing to you? These guys are kidding themselves." You just open yourself up to a lot of uh, stuff on the on the periphery that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And I think you can handle it from Monday to Friday and, and allow the kid to continue to play AFL because yep. that's what he wants to do. So if he is a little upset, playing him at 11am yep. at Arden Street on a Saturday morning going to make him more yep. upset. But the other thing is, I mean, we don't know. I mean, not that it's all about personal accolades, but he might also be sitting there thinking, Geez, I've had it. I'm not hearing my name when people talk about NAB Rising Star this year. That's a sense of pride. Number one yep. draft pick, yep. you want to be the NAB Rising Star that year, and you're hearing Dacos and John Newcomb and all these guys and, and, and De Koning, and you're thinking, so there might just be a bit of that. He just, you know, I think it's all, it's 18 years old. Mm. I, I, I struggle to maintain, you know, to keep a, a, a firm hold on my emotional reactions to things that don't, I'm 41. So, you know, um, Interesting. It is an interesting conversation. I just hope that it all comes together for him and he can just play some really good footy over the next year and a It'll half make for a, with North uh, Melbourne. And I hope he actually stays with North Melbourne, to be honest. But um, Trade Week Radio was already is already going to be interesting uh, this well, year. Record-breaking. Uh, yeah. A little more interesting if mm. uh, with, with the Hornets name floating around. Uh, Melbourne... Um, it's funny when you, what you take out of a win. A win is a win, but I think there's so many positives for Adelaide to take out of that game. They conceded the first three, but then kicked the next four. They were within a point at half time. They got back to within a kick early stages of the last quarter, and then just too much power and too much poise. Melbourne, uh, in the end, Petrarca was huge. He had uh, three goals. He's kicked nine twenty-one for the year. He kicked three one yesterday, just to go along with the thirty-three disposals, twenty contested, eleven score involvements. Oliver was massive, thirty-six and thirteen tackles. Six clearances. They just couldn't capitalise on ruck dominance. Um, Adelaide, they only had 16 to advantage yet. Um, yeah. I need to go to work on this, Sam, because, uh, of course, my primary role at the Cats is ruck coach uh, uh, on the back of uh, my illustrious rucking career. Um, <laughs> but it, it seems like it happens a lot where the, the ruck dominance, the absolute dominance in terms of the pure hit-out just doesn't convert to the ground-level dominance in the clearance yeah. numbers. And often... It must spur the, the, the opposition on, the team that doesn't have the dominant ruck, to say, well, we have to be locked in on our bodywork and our positioning and our setups because we know we're not going to win many hitouts. So I'm keen to, to crunch some numbers on that during the week and just work out how many times the, the team without the uh, necessarily known ruckman can actually get on top. Because they, they weren't smashed, um, Adelaide, in those areas. Uh, they actually competed really well. Just a bit of polish. I think it was Sam Berry that might have had 10 clangers. He was trying to do the job on, on Clayton Oliver. 30 intercept marks. Um, I was Fourth listening, most I was watching, ever. Yeah, Kane, uh, Corns and Riley Beveridge on the AFL. That's where I first uh, saw this stat. Fourth most ever since they've been keeping that stat. Intercept marks, 30 of them. So a little bit of Phenomenal. issues going inside forward 50 for Adelaide. Um, but Ben Keyes was huge, 30-2. and two. Laird, 32-1. and one. And Dawson had 30-1 and one from 80% efficiency and 649 metres, seven inside 50s from a half-back flanker. Um, just quickly, is he on one half-back flank and Jess, uh, Jack Sinclair on the other, All-Australian? Dawson? Yep. He'd be right in the mix, wouldn't he? Who else would be... Oh, caught Brad me Hill. on the hop here. Sam Doherty? Yeah, Doherty would be in the mix. Tom Stewart's probably in the mix, I would have thought. Would he be not in the... Uh, or was the suspension? Not a half-back flank. He more of a, you put him in the back pocket oh. and he floats. Well, that, that, uh, the All-Australian 22 is the only side... 
that ever gets picked uh, on by position anymore. I've been trying to tell Andy Murray about this. Unfortunately, they don't pick centre-half forward, centre-half back, full-back when they go to match committee at AFL Clubland, but we still like to pick it in the uh, All-Australian 22. Yeah, but in, in saying that, though, they still find a way to cram in every single midfielder <laughs> at the expense of wingers and forward pockets. They do. But, hey, they that's a do. conversation for another day. So 29-point win to Melbourne. Uh, second hour of crunch time coming up on the other side of this, and we'll dig into the Bombers' win over the Swans. We'll have a closer look at the Pies' six wins in a row now after that win over the Gold Coast. Uh, we can stick around. Sunday crunch time. The award-winning Crunch Time. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good afternoon. Welcome back or to Sunday Crunch Time, whichever category fits your best. Wonderful to have your company. I hope your Sunday is going as well as it possibly can be, however you're putting it in, wherever you're putting it in. It is great to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, right around the country. We're at the home of footy, the MCG. Tigers, Eagles, first game up on the Sunday afternoon as sunshine just spreads and the pigeons doing their fine work. They'll be off here uh, very quickly, you'd imagine, once the crowd starts to come in. Sam Hargraves, Josh Jenkins, uh, looking forward to a big second hour, joined by the footy records own, their chief uh, writer in Ash Brown. G'day, Ash. Sam, good to be here. Great to have you. Plenty to get uh, your views on and, and, and have a chat about. And uh, don't forget, if you are coming to any of the games, make sure you do grab a copy of the AFL record. Uh, no game at the footy is complete without it. So winners this round, just to recap, if you're just joining us, uh, Lions over the Dogs, 41 points on Thursday night. Carlton kicked themselves out of contention against the Saints, who were all heart in their 15-point win uh, over the Blues at Marvel. And then Saturday, some big results. Essendon uh, went from ridiculed in round nine to redemption in this round 16. A nine-point win over the Swans. The double comeback. Four goals down on two separate occasions, but they found a way and had the will to win uh, their best victory of the year. Adelaide uh, went down to Melbourne by 29 points. Beautiful scenes uh, and sad scenes, sombre scenes at the Adelaide Oval to farewell the great and icon of Aussie rules footy and a giant, maybe the most significant figure in South Australian football in Neil Knuckles, Curly, Vale, uh, Knuckles. And, and we send our condolences, of course, again to his family. 112-point uh, win to Geelong over North Melbourne. Just 5-2 North Melbourne able to kick from just 25 entries. It was a mauling from the Cats who had a taste uh, for Kangaroo. The Suns will wonder what might have been. Five-point loss to Collingwood, who goes six in a row, just like the Cats have done. The two form teams in the competition are the Cats and the Pies. Games today, Richmond and the Eagles, the Giants and the Hawks, and the Dockers and Port Adelaide will be a really interesting watch, and we'll talk more about that. Port Adelaide still with slim finals hopes, and Frio needing to bounce back from a disappointing week last week against the Blues. So, boys, why don't we start with uh, Essendon. Yesterday at the MCG, we, we know the story. Round nine, the ridicule, Luke Parker, uh, the, the shrugging of the shoulders, the ducking of the head to insinuate that maybe Dylan Shield had uh, not gone as hard as uh, he might have liked, had let them know about it. And then not only were they ridiculed on field, but then ridiculed largely off field um, for the lack of response on the day and then ridiculed again for what was deemed to be contrived response for their game the week after. So Sydney... Kicked five of the first six goals. Uh, they were getting a goal for every two inside 50s that they got uh, in the first quarter. They were dominant, and um, you just saw the same old things with the Bombers again. They couldn't defend transition. Then the Bombers just found a little way to rest the momentum and just put a halt 
to the Sydney run. They got a couple late in that quarter, and they had a five-goal to two-second quarter themselves. Kicked five in a row, and the Swans issues defending run-ons reared its ugly head. Just a four-point half-time lead for Sydney. Third quarter, the Swans are going to rue this. 20 inside 50s they had. They kicked 2-8 to 2-1. Essendon only had the six entries, but were able to get two goals, one from it. The Swans uh, have won more fourth quarters than anyone this year. They're plus 146 points. They would have thought they had this in the bag. They got 26 points up again. And then Essendon kicked 6-3 to 3. They stormed home to win by nine points in the end, despite the Swans having eight more inside 50, six more scoring shots. Josh Jenkins first, and then we'll get your thoughts, uh, Ash. Yeah, well, it was just good to see the Bombers play a game style, in my view, that suits them a little bit more, a little bit more free-flowing, a little bit more attacking and aggressive. And, look, we can deal with you know whether it's going to be um, long-standing and sustainable at a later date. We just needed to see them perform. Sydney are an interesting group. I want to jump across to the Swans for a moment because they... And it's great that Essendon performed strongly and, and got a mm. got a win, but it was a it was a down day from Sydney and Sydney have got they're they're having ups and downs because of the fact I think they're really still reliant on uh, the performances of a large group of young guys. So I'm looking at Campbell who had six disposals, Logan McDonald had two uh, quarters where he didn't touch the footy, Ollie Florent only had eight. Rowbottom only had 14, Dylan Stevens 12, Robbie Fox only had 14 disposals. They've got a large group of young guys that when they, 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 they tend to all play well or they all struggle. And, and on the back of that, the Swans' performance uh, mirrors how those young guys go. So uh, it'll be an interesting watch for the Swans because it's, it's you know, young guys. They, you know, they have their ups and their downs. So whether they can mount a charge and be consistent with those young guys, I'm not too sure. But again, on Essendon... Just good to see them play uh, with momentum and with flair and with some flow and some character and, in the end, uh, put up 95 points and, and win a good game of footy at the G. I think with those Swans young players, Josh, they came here last year and knocked over Richmond early in the season. And ever since then, that raised the bar for these mm. young guys. They are young. Yeah, they are. They're still young. And you look at the, demogra- the demographic of the Swans, they're carrying a lot of younger players. Mm. Goulden and McInerney yeah, and, and they're, Campbell. They're, they're good, Warner but and... they're young kids and they're, they're to sustain it, the raids bar for themselves, unfortunately, with that, those performances last year. So, but they'd be disappointed to twice have leads of more than four goals against an Essendon that you thought was down on confidence. That was a bad, this is a bad loss for the Swans, and they just you know there were a few teams this weekend that a couple anyway at this stage haven't taken advantage of opportunity, and, and they're clearly one of them. So um, what that does to the Swans now in terms of their ladder position, uh, they're seventh. Um, they're a game inside. The eight with a percentage of 117, which uh, is going to hold them in pretty good stead considering there's some lower percentage of the sides are competing for the, the, the bottom end of the top eight. It's going to make their top four chances uh, a little bit more difficult now. Um, from an Essendon point of view, though, before we turn our attention again to the Swans, so Zach Merritt was a really interesting one. Um, the criticism of him has been, that does he play with a, an urgency and, and does he is he direct enough? Is he damaging enough for the amount of ball that he gets? Well... He kicked three goals yesterday, had 24 disposals, six score involvements. He had 418 metres uh, and five inside 50s. He was their leading goal scorer, but it was his after-match chat that uh, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, when you're 3-11, obviously the fish rots at the head, and uh, I feel like as leaders, we haven't been standing up enough uh, for this young group, and, um, you know, there's 
obviously a lot written about us as leaders and uh, you know, it's time that we responded and start to set the, the standard for those younger boys to follow and uh, it was nice to get a bit of reward today. We certainly did, um, and, and that standing up for and standing for something was a bit of a theme, and Ben Rutten was asked post-match post about whether the round nine humiliation, 58-point loss, and all that went with that was a motivation for the Bombers. Yeah, look, it was, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we um, part of the build-up when you're preparing for opponents is looking at how we played them last time, and the guys, guys you know, certainly weren't pleased with that. It was a really poor performance last, last time we played them, and the, the fixture... You know, we'd come around in six weeks' time to play them again. So, in in some respects, that was advantageous for us. You know, because yeah, you know, the guys were really keen to, you know, leave a different perception with the opposition this week. Um, you know, I think they've got that on the back of you know different to last time we played them. That's for sure. Ben Rutten after the game. So Dyson Heppel played up the ground a lot more. Uh, was really involved in, in a lot of scoring chains. He had 25 and he kicked a goal himself. Peter Wright kicked two, continuing on a really good season. Jake Stringer. It's JJ. Is it is it fair to say that good players have good games, great players have great moments, and he yep. had two goals, seventeen disposed, nine contested, two goal assists as well. He had crucial clearances at crucial times, three hundred and thirty meters as well for just seventeen disposals. He almost went from hero to villain, but the, the two last quarter goals, they were momentum. It was a momentum turner and a belief in Stiller, I reckon. They believed that they could win that game once he got those couple, I reckon. Well, he, he's, one, he's the guy that typifies how I think they, they should not always play, but play to their strengths because he's a, he's a downhill guy. He's a, he's a, he's a forward half guy. He's a, he's a score involvement man. He's a, he's a guy that can set up goals and kick goals, and he can kick goals that not many others can kick, which, which gets, the, gets the crowd up and about. You know, 43,000 in the house would have been largely Essendon fans who, who, are, who, are, who are staying loyal and are sticking fat and are desperate to see things that, that give them uh, the chance to get up and about. And he can provide those type of things like Zach Merritt can. Now, I've never, ever been uh, a, a subscriber to the Zach Merritt Not Enough Damage I think he's one of the more outstanding kicks of the footy uh, in the game for a midfielder, and he's a kicker of the footy. Yesterday, uh, 17 kicks, only seven handballs. You you can go across so many midfielders who are you know, who would have 24 disposals, but it would be seven kicks and 17 handballs. He's a guy who kicks the footy. His form may have have been a, a little bit down over recent weeks, but who's hasn't as an Essendon player? So I absolutely love Zach Merritt. I, I would take him in my team in an absolute heartbeat. And for him to hit the scoreboard is fantastic. But um, yeah, Stringer and Merritt, when those guys are up and about, they're the weapons. And you need your weapons, Ash, to, to, to be firing to give yourself a chance. Yeah, just knew in the last quarter when Stringer started finding the ball, the first goal, there's probably another one to come at some stage. The crowd, he rises with the crowd. Um, I, Merritt is a super footballer, and... He, Every time I watch Essendon play well, he plays well. I don't know, but does that make him a barometer? I don't. Does he play well when they don't win? I don't know. I don't study them that closely. But just every time I cover an Essendon game, watch them. I'm giving. I mean, they're giving him votes or putting the best players because yeah. it just seems to be to be such an important part of their of their side. This is what uh, Coach Ben Rutten had to say about Jake Stringer after the game. I think Jake's got a bit of an uncanny ability to do that. Understand what the game needs at certain times and. Um, yeah, it's a balance between with Jake about giving him. You know, we want to make sure he's he's got instinctive part of the game. His game is probably greater than most, so we want to get him in as many situations where he can just play the game. Yeah, we don't try and overcoach Jake certainly. So from calling him out 
to um, mm. to giving him all the credibility um, and credit for his role uh, in that win. Um, you wonder when we don't we're not at the stage where we give Ben Rutten a whole heap of coaching credit at the moment. But geez, uh, it may have had a desired effect. I like well, the line about I don't overcoach him. You <laughs> sent him out to play a couple of basic yeah, it'd instructions. Be, it'd be it? wasted energy, I would assume, if you tried to <laughs> to give him too many instructions. But just having a quick thing, like the to- the teams atop the ladder or right up there have all got guys who are like Jake Stringer, who you need to just sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. Now you want the, the, there to be far more good than bad, but there's not a lot of middle ground with some of these guys. I'm talking, you know, Charlie Cameron's fits that bill for Brisbane. You know, Petrarca's probably a more midfield version of that, but he plays that mid-forward opportunity. Richmond have got two. So Dustin Martin played the forward half game. Now he's done it better than anyone else has ever done it. But Shea Bolton does it now. Shea Bolton's a, Cam a, Rainer's gonna a do good it with Brisbane. the bad type. Um, Jeremy Cameron started to do it. You've started to see him get high possession because he's yep. got a license to go into centre bounce, to go up the ground. So Jake Stringer fits that bill. You just hope that uh, it's more good than bad. But the reality is some weeks it's going to be more bad than good. They're just That's just the type of player he is. People, the jury is out for Essendon fans. It's amazing when you, you sit and Essendon comes up. The text machine, 0433981116, will have that many people um, want to talk about the recruiting of Essendon and we've missed on this draft pick we've missed on that draft pick and oh, I don't know if that was the right draft pick and uh, Adrian Dodoro's you know got to go but I'll tell you one thing Adrian Dodoro does do he finds him in the mid-season he finds him in the pre-season draft as well Sam Durham and um, Massimo D'Ambrosio so Massimo D'Ambrosio in his third game in his first game he has 15 disposals and, and you think geez he really does use the footy well had 23 most of those in the first half but he's assuredness yes. and composure Looks. in chaos. But it just beggars belief. Mm. Looked like it's he played his years. 60 games in his very first game. Yeah. He looked like he played 60 AFL games. And that's probably the beauty of, 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 of the mid-season draft. You are actually going and finding guys who haven't had the opportunity, but their performance, they are, they're seasoned, they're hardened, and they're ready to rock and roll. And he is, he's exactly that. He's ball use, as you said, Sam, is is outstanding and they've lost, you know, they've lost McKenna and Saad across that part of the ground over the past three or four years. Mm. He fits that bill with really good ball use and aggression and, and attacking play. And again, for, for me, he fits how they should look to play and, and play that really attacking style off half back and, and get the game playing and flowing from there. Just another example of the answer to all your problems is not the national draft. And it's the ones who who don't get through it the first time, but a year and a year of state league footy, where at whatever level it is, and another year of, of getting of growing up a bit and getting stronger can make all the difference. And he's another example of that. And I think you know, his success coming in now, and he say it does look like it looks like he's played fifty games already. Is just going to make this mid season draft and the pre season SSP, whatever it's called, more important as well because that's increasingly where you're going to find good players. Yeah, we keep getting told that we don't have the talent pool, all the talent pool, the talent pool, yet we keep finding players who slot straight in, which, yeah. I, which, which to correct me if I'm wrong, JJ, but to slot in as a mid-season draftee in the manner that he has, they say that the jump from VFL and, and obviously to NAB under-18s, from NAB under-18s to the AFL, when you haven't done a full AFL pre-season, I would imagine that's even more difficult. Would it, would it not be? Yes, absolutely. It's just, it depends who you get. It depends what you go after. Now, some clubs approach the mid-season uh, draft 
as a as a as an extension of the national draft and just try and find the best talent available, Ash. But other teams will say there's one there that we want to go after who we think Geelong drafted Zane Williamson, who's a, um, a, a yeah, basically a Tyson Stengel uh, the second, a clone, who 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 they feel is ready to go, uh, is young enough to to have a long career. But there are clubs who say, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll go after someone specific, a twenty three or twenty four year old, or we just won't take anyone. So uh, different clubs have got different views on how to use it. So just before we get to Sydney, the double fifty, which got Sydney back to within three points. So Stringer. Almost had gone from hero to villain. That was a 50. Understand why. Yeah. So Warner then gets on his bike, runs straight ahead, but, but Guelphie has his back to the play with the ball, was looking at what the umpire was doing. Warner runs into him. and they call, was, it, was that why there was another 50? Or was there – we couldn't figure it out in the call whether it was because Warner had bumped into and then bumped over Guelphie or was it lip – from the two Essendon players, Merritt, I can't remember who else was there. Have we got a ruling on this yet? Do we, have we got yeah, clarity I've, on this? I've, so I've got no clarity. If it had been for the player who – I mean, it all happened so quickly as well, Yeah, Sam. So I, I'm not sure if – if The, the second TV, 50 oh, was for the contact. Look, the TV coverage, yeah. they couldn't quite yeah, tell. Yeah, the second 50 was the player con, I think that's, that was a bit rough, actually. Absolutely. He's just – he didn't probably have time to get the way. And Warner, if you know, I've done a bit of – Research into Chad Warner. He's a bit of a what's called a rascal. <laughs> a bit of scallywag. Yeah, is he? I wouldn't be surprised. If he bodylined him and thought, oh, hey, "Here we go. He's in my way. Let's that's see what comes idea. out of this." That is the that's the that's the loophole that the, that the attacking player has. So that's the the, the change with mm. the fifty is. So you can when you get a fifty, you can either take your fifty and run as hard as you want to, or you can just play on at any stage. So you can receive a fifty, but twenty meters into your fifty, you can just play on. So it does give the attacking player a lot more. Uh, opportunity early on the umpires if you were you would get a 50 and you would try and charge at the defensive player and you either make them sprint away and 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 get back to the mark or they just have to bail out and get out of the road so I would imagine it was Warner being able to create contact with the Essendon player whose job it is to either get out of the road and get on the mark or just clear out to get directions and then Warner how, how fast was uh, the Essendon player moving? Guelphy had his back Guelphie to the, the ball. He didn't even which, know. Yeah, but that's that's Guelphy should he should he needs to be yeah. able to if Warner's oh. taking his fifty and and hits Guelphy in the process of that fifty, then as I understood it when it wasn't get, uh, presented to us players back when it was presented, then that's technically can be given another fifty. Just intru- I'm going to be curious to get the official clarification on that. And Foz, 100 percent right off the text. Martin Snelling Draper also through mid-season uh, and rookie drafts. Just from a Swans point of view, so made the point earlier, JJ, in the first hour for those that missed it, we talked about goal kicking and the state of goal kicking. Only six teams kick at 50 percent or more goal kicking accuracy. It costs the Blues on Friday. Now, all due respect to the Saints, who were just gutsy, all heart, all grit. Love the way that the, the Saints stuck at it and, and, and got the win. But the Swans in that third term, 2-8. Two 2-8. Eight. Two eight. Is that good? They kicked from 20 inside 50s. So, and that was to 2-1 for Essendon, who had just the six inside 50s. Um, not having a crack at Tommy Papley, but just an example of their inaccuracy. He kicked one three and he had another one that didn't uh, make the distance. They had a lot of front half turnovers, uh, as we know. Um, as well. But this was John Longmire speaking about um, the missed opportunities given they had eight more inside 50s and six more scoring shots and went down by nine points to the Bombers. 
There were times when uh, we played really well. There were times when we played well, didn't capitalise. And there were times like the last quarter when we got beaten a contested ball and smacked at stoppages. You know, there was different things at different times during the course of the game. I thought we started really well, jumped out of the blocks, gave ourselves every chance, high-pressure game. Yeah, um, you know, even in the you know the third quarter, we kicked two goals eight. We had plenty of opportunities, and um, and that was even with some misconnections forward. We had sort of over twenty inside fifties, didn't take our chances, and gave them a bit of a look. John Longmire after the game. So the Swans, um, it would seem a couple of issues there, accuracy issue, and again, um, they conceded six goals in a row at one point of the game as well, and that's been a talking point for their season. Um, they were minus they were minus eight in contested possession and they were minus eight in clearance as well, uh, but they were plus two in centre clearance. So, JJ, what do you make uh, of the Swans, who were best served by uh, the 250-gamer uh, in Luke Parker? Um, he had uh, 26 disposals. He was big in the first half. Um, but Chad Warner's stocks continue to rise. He was phenomenal. 25 disposals, three goals. He had 10 score involvements as well. The Swans, JJ? Yeah, I just I just continue to, to harp on the fact that I, I think they they are they're before their time and I think Ash, Ash made a very, very good point about they kind of they, you know, come down here and, and knocked off Richmond and we thought, oh hello, what what are we dealing with here? But I think the reality is they've still got some evolution. They've still got 20 or 30 more games to get into these young guys before they can become more consistent, uh, solid, seasoned AFL players. And until that point, we'll probably see them two good games, one poor game. You know, one good one, one poor one. Two good ones, one poor one. We'll see that up and down nature of, of their performance because they are still a young group. It cost them in the final against the Giants last year, Ash. They had every opportunity to win that game and they were incredibly inaccurate, especially in the last quarter. And we're seeing inaccuracy costing teams this year. We, we said to JJ before in the first hour, we like to harp on how, oh, that umpiring decision, well, if they don't get that right, that could cost a team. Well, that can cost a team. That can cost a team. That umpiring decision could cost a team. That situation could cost a team. Why don't we go back to some of the basics of the game and goal kicking being one, Goal kicking yeah. is going to cost a team a final. They were wasteful a couple of times, and Papley may have been the culprit, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the teammates in better positions, and Papley's been known to do that occasionally, to, to take the shot when he you know, could have looked around and found someone else. To me, they, looked, I mean, they, they were surging at one stage, but they looked, to me it looked like they liked a bit of chemistry. I mean, JJ's the expert on this one, but they, they, to me they looked like they were, liked a bit of chemistry going forward at times. I mean... McDonald struggled. Reed flash in and out. Franklin, you know, he's going to be the focal point always. Yeah, he was. He, uh, he dropped a couple of marks. He was good early, but he normally hands were great he early. He normally yeah. tortures the Swans. And I thought he was in for a huge day. Zerk against Thatcher the... was just able to disrupt him when he was yeah. backpedaling in the last quarter. But he positioned beautifully as he does, and he just held him out. But Zerk Thatcher, there was there's a question whether it was a free kick or not. I don't want to go down that path. But Zerk Thatcher just did enough. Yeah, just did enough, and he's giving away. I think he was giving away about 15 kegs and. Um, maybe yeah, six yeah, centimetres. He's, he's, uh, he's bigger than the other defenders that they've got, but he was still giving away a lot. For me, yeah. he, so Haywood, McInerney, Fox, Rowbottom, Stevens, Florent, McDonald, and Campbell. I think I've named uh, nine guys there. All had under 15 disposal or 15 or less. I think Blakey had 15. The rest had under. 
that's a critical mass of, of young guys who haven't had a good day at the office. Now, that's not because they're not going to be good players. It's because they're young guys who are still developing. And Ooh. when they have nine guys who underperform, and again, it's not because they're bad. It's because they're young. It's going to be hard for them to win games consistently, and that's exactly what we saw. Yes, they had opportunities, but again, young players, you have 20 minutes of good play, 20 minutes of, of downplay, and that's exactly what we saw from Sydney, and that's why I'm not uh, not a buyer on the Swans to, to go a long way this year because I just don't think they're quite ready. So they uh, now sit in seventh, a percentage of 117. They're nine and six uh, on the year. And they've got the Western Bulldogs next week at home. And the Western Bulldogs, correct me if I'm wrong, have got a pretty decent track record of recent times mm. in Sydney. Big game. Uh, and then Frio in Perth as well. So uh, a tough fortnight ahead for the Swans. We'll, uh, we'll certainly... But the thing is, again, they've got the talent to win both. Yeah. Well, they've beaten Melbourne this year. I mean... It, They've, they've taken they've the talent off and the future to me. It's teams. undeniable. It, it'll, yeah, it will eventually go. come, but you know, we might be 12, 18 months away from seeing them at their absolute best. Uh, 0433 98 If you've got a view on the Swans or the Bombers fans, you, you, you would have realized a while ago now that you weren't going to be able to back up finals this year like you did last year. So, something to savor in a year that hasn't provided you very much. You, you, you cannot not be proud of the way that your team went about it yesterday. Coming back from 26 points we know is a bit easier in this day and age, but to do it twice in a game, Ash, that's very, very impressive, and that would fill you with immense pride for your, for your team. Um, and they, uh, they spoiled the party for Luke Parker, who, as I say before, is um, one of the great Sydney Swans players. Uh, three Bob Skilton medals. He's got three Rob Rose awards, um, All-Australian Premiership player and second in the Brownlow in... Uh, 2016. Um, 0433981116. This is Sunday crunch time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Well, we're going to turn our attention next to the Suns and the Pies. It was a finals-like intensity to that game in difficult conditions at Metricon in front of a really good crowd, uh, given those said conditions. So we'll talk about the Suns and the Pies and anything else that tickles our fancy on the other side of the Sam Hargraves, Ash Brown, Josh Jenkins, Sunday Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. Welcome back to Sunday Crunch Time. We're doing it live from the MCG as we gear up to the Tigers and the Eagles. You can get involved at any stage, 0433 uh, uh, And I, JJ, I told you off air, you wait once I bring up goal kicking and how the accuracy of goal kicking has gone downhill for a long time now and that only six teams kick 50% or more and how uh, I think goal kicking has actually cost some teams this year. I said, you wait, it won't be long until someone asks this question. Oh boy, how many goals has the host kicked in AFL? Kane from Mildura, congratulations. You are the winner of the most predictable text we're going to get for the day. Uh, JJ. Do the stats. Kane from Glenelg or Kane from Mildura? Kane from Mildura. Um, (laughs) Do do I need to have played to have read stats out? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No. Um, you are more than, uh, more than rightful to be able to read it because uh, I guess the, the alternative is to sit there in silence, which wouldn't make for very good radio, would it? 
No, I certainly wouldn't hate. So plenty to get through. But thank you, Kane. Appreciate your contribution. 0433 98 11 16. This is Sunday crunch time. Josh Jenkins here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. Ash Brown's here for the AFL record and written an extensive piece. Uh, Tassie, it's time. It's called. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But let's uh, have a little dabble. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Josh Jeans is with us. All thanks to Dabble. Josh, hello to you. G'day, Sam. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you, mate. Uh, What's been making news on Dabble this week? Well, not as much as your text line that's going off at the moment, but uh, I'll tell you what, <laughs> absolutely, you got it. It's imperative. But uh, yeah, absolutely, you guys coming off a win on Thursday night again, the same game multi. Just seems to be, I, I say it each week, but the bread and butter for the, the crunch time AFL team. And then, of course, as we know, you can follow uh, the experts, follow your mates, and if you were following free AFL, AFL tips, you had another winner last week with 57 people copying that bet, which means. 57 other dabblers have had to win, which is fantastic. Uh, what's our bet for today, Josh? Well, I don't know why I keep doing this to me, but the Tigers, 40-plus over my Eagles. I thought the Eagles showed a bit of spirit last week, but uh, I guess the Tigers at the MCG, it's a different beast altogether, isn't it? The Giants as well, to get over the Hawks. They played pretty well in that last quarter against Collingwood. And then the Dockers, what do you like there? Uh, I think the Dockers. Yep. You reckon they'll bounce back? Fantastic over Port Adelaide at home, I suppose. So that one paying three dollars sixty eight. Uh, the easiest way to copy that bet with just one click is, of course, download the Dabble app. Go on, have a dabble. Go on and uh, do it responsibly, of course. Uh, thank you, Josh. We'll chat to you again soon. Too <laughs> easy, Sammy. Josh Jeans from Dabble. Make sure you gamble responsibly. One 858 If gambling is a problem for you or anyone else you know, uh, all thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop. So, yeah, AFL record uh, this week. Ash Brown is with us, the chief writer uh, for the AFL record. Tassie, it's time. Extensive look as to at, at to what is to come in the uh, president's vote. Ash, what can you tell us, and what will we be reading about in the record when we get our copy? Well, I decided it was time to do a bit of advocacy. With the record, we don't do it very often. Glad you did. We just thought it's time for Tasmania. Uh, I'm not sure what sway the record has these days, but there's been a bit of negativity around it, I think, from a few shrill club presidents who are a bit, bit of self-interest there. And a little. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be diplomatic, you Sam. <laughs> well, you can be diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. But I think, it's a, I think there's a fairly clear-cut case to admit mm. Tasmania for a lot of reasons. I just thought it was time to take the chance, opportunity in the record to spell them out, um, expose a few of the myths around you know, things around commercial viability, population, talent pool, uniting the state. And, you know, North v. South is always spoken about in Tasmania. So worth addressing. I mean, uh, the point I made in the story was Tassie's been a passionate cause for a very long time, but it's been the Tasmanian diaspora in the AFL, we know who they are, the players and coaches and administrators and media who've driven it, and they're all from Tasmania. I think Alistair Clarkson getting behind the bid in the, the way he has is really important, because I think it shows it's not just a Tasmanian issue mm. anymore. There are people with no interest, other than he's been there for a long time, sort of visiting as coach of Hawthorne. It's an interesting situation, Ash, where we, I know that Gil McLaughlin is very keen on getting a unanimous agreement from the, from, uh, from the presidents, but from my understanding, does he actually need it, and why... 
is the AFL, whose job it is to not only protect the game and to be the stewards of the game for the now, but also for the future. It looks to me that the presidents that are against this are only really worried about how it affects their own backyard. I don't know if they've got uh, an imprimatur from all their members that this is the way that they want their team to vote, but it would seem that the right now self-interest um, is, is outweighing what is best for the future of our game, which is the AFL's job as well, and that's what they're trying to do, look to the future of our game. They are, Sam. It's also important to remember that the final report and the final recommendations haven't been tabled yet. That comes mm. uh, sometime next month. So even the, the naysayers and the ones who've been vocal anti Tony Cochran, and I think he's, he's a lost soul anyway in that respect. I don't think anything can talk him around. But someone like Andrew Pridham from the Swans is talking about, well, we haven't seen the final figures yet. And even in the article, Elsa Clarkson says, we haven't given them the final figures yet. Once they see the final report and the final figures and they see how the money's going to work, mm. we think we will satisfy all their concerns. So that's the key point. We've really got to wait until the final report comes out and the, the club, they'll do the big... Either they're going to go to bring the five presents down to Tasmania or Tasmania's going to come to Melbourne and get all the presents in a room and give them the, the spiel. Uh, you know what? Go to them. If I you're that, far, if you're if that against it and you think you've Why? got the case to argue against it, get on a plane, actually go down there and have a look and look the people in the eye that you're trying to shaft. Is, is it not the... Is, it, is, is there not a, Should we not be more understanding that the, the club presidents who are against... Isn't their sole uh, interest their own club? Like, are they not... If if there is to be a a uh, a negative aspect for their own club, then of course they would be against it. Would that would that not just make commercial sense for the right now? Mm. Yeah, I think that's. I think we're saying the same thing. And is some of their trepidation the fact that there are clubs still? What would we say? Three or four who who still have their own who still. Hurt the, the the clubs who are successful from a commercial point of view as well. Is that is it is some of their issue not necessarily all about Tasmania? It's about well, hang on, there are still three or four clubs who you know who are reliant heavily on on us and the AFL to to help them uh, along, and we might be adding another to that pot. Is that potentially an issue? Oh, I'm not sure. That some clubs who need the AFL's assistance are on board and actually. We need if the AFL is going to help us, we need to agree to whatever the AFL wants to do because yeah, we want yeah, we, yeah, we need yeah. money from them. So other clubs, I mean North Melbourne, I believe are on board, but you know, they're in you know, they've got issues commercially without Tasmania. Hawthorne less so. Hawthorne's point of view, I think, is we've been in Tassie long enough to know that ultimately they need their own team, and if that's yeah. the vote, we'll we'll support it. I think um, it, it's going to come down to and we hear now reports that apparently Channel Ten want to throw yes. what three billion dollars. Crikey. For the TV, for the whole package that was reported in Australia yesterday. Well, that will pay. Mm. That will pay for Tasmania. There's a lot of people who think the AFL's supreme confidence about Tasmania. Can I just say, I've always thought the Channel 10 was a wonderful organisation. No. <laughs> I really love Paramount Plus. Yeah, I'm really involved. Oh, in have you seen the service. offer? I've been watching the offer. Brilliant show. Yeah. <laughs> I think not. Sorry. Yeah. I keep going. Always back self-interest, Sam. Yeah, that, 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 that was no, part of the irony trying. of that statement. I'm glad you picked up on the, it. The, the thing is, the AFL, I think, has supreme confidence that it's going to get a bumper TV deal. Mm. And that will be part of the confidence... And, and they're negotiating yeah. two TV deals and negotiating a deal with Tasmania and without Tasmania. So I think they've got pretty strong confidence that alleviate the concerns of the clubs because so much money is going to be extra money is going to be coming to the system through the TV rights. But and, and the thing I've written also is Gill is a great deal maker. Yeah, he's he's got three deals to go. He's got TV, he's got CBA, 
He's got Tasmania. And then the ego comes into play. If Gil can be the CEO who's delivered AFLW and Tasmania, he goes straight to the top of the all-time AFL CEO power rankings, don't Ooh. you think? I think he could guarantee that if uh, JJ maybe if um, because the the umpire our umpiring setup, not the umpires themselves, the setup in which they uh, work in is is a mess. And if you can fix that on the way at the door too, then you're 100 percent that right. bad. You're a mess. Yeah. Well, that starts tomorrow. I think Lisa Laurie, who's the new head yep. of umpire, who's highly regarded yep. from Essendon, and now the AFL, she starts tomorrow. And there's nothing she can't accomplish in footy. She'll get that fixed. So what's the, what's the time? Just for, what's the quick timeline on Tassie? Just quickly. What? Well, I think there's a push to get him in for 2026. Because then, if, if if it means two years of playing at uh, Blundstone, if they know the stadium's been built, yeah. Well, well, when's the play, yes or no? How well, quickly well, is that coming? Okay, all right. I, I don't think, follow that kind of stuff, to be honest. Then you're August, <laughs> and you've got a three-season lead important. in. <laughs> and, I think if, and I think if you get 2026 coming in, then I think there's a big chance you'd get Alistair Clarkson as coach, because that right. might actually be, he'll be prepared to wait that yep. long. Yeah. That was my uh, first ever shower thought, uh, one of the new segments uh, on the Sporting Capital, Ash, was that, well, that all the talk at the time was around, should Clarkson go to the Gold Coast, or should he go to Giants? And I firmly believe that the, uh, the greatest legacy piece that he could add to you know, the greatest modern era coaching resume is to be the inaugural coach of a Tassie side. That, that's, that fits. And if, you get, if he doesn't get the AFL CEO job, you put Brendan Gale in as the CEO and Clarkson as the coach, and then you've got uh, everything will Brendan follow. Brendan Gale, Tasmanian, is he? He is. Yep. He is right. yep. And by the way, Ash Brown does speak to Brendan Gale in this uh, article, uh, a feature-length article in the AFL record, so make sure you get your copy. We've already spoken about Essendon, the bounce back for Duravege, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. We'll take a deep dive into the Pies and the Suns after this. The award-winning Crunch Time. The young boy from Papua New Guinea away! Rankin tight angle. If someone can make something out of nothing, it's Isaac Rankin. Trying to create something, a little fumble from Quainor. Isaac oh, Rankin, you've got to be kidding me! <laughs> Nick Dacos took possession. Beautiful ball to his brother Josh. 51 from home. Josh Dacos. Big fly Meyer check from the back. Hoskin Elliott row in front of the pack. Break free from the tackle, and he's put Collingwood in front. Collingwood are going to hang on. That's it. Done. Collingwood with a thriller. Uh, it certainly was. Brett Phillips, Kane Corns, Brendan Goddard taking you through the Pies. Five-point win over the Suns at Metricon Stadium. It was a finals-like intensity to that game. In the end, the Suns, 8-14, went down to Collingwood, 9-13. Six in a row for the Pies. It comes at a cost, though. Darcy Moore going down late. Uh, the hyper-extended knee, we await with bated breath and... Just hope that it is the best case of what looks to be a pretty bad situation. The Suns will be left to rue a third term where they dominated but only put 1-5 on the board to Collingwood's one behind that. A 14-point lead early in the last, but they kicked 2-3 to 3-3. Collingwood kicked the last three goals um, and only the second time that they've had a win this year, trailing at three-quarter 
time. Josh Jenkins, Jack Inneman kicked three with three kicks. Uh, Josh Dacos kicked three as well, a career best. Nick Dacos had a career best, 37 disposals. Uh, and Noah Anderson, 30 uh, and one. And Isaac Rankin was phenomenal. Eight score involvements, four goals from him. Two in the last. Thought he might have been the match winner. Huago Oya was a wonderful story. First goal with his first kick from Papua New Guinea. And James Cheetis, the McGarry medalist from last year, Woodville West Torrens Premiership player. 27 years of age, made his debut. What did you think? Oh, I love, I love, I love the versatility that Collingwood are building. They're, uh, they're a little Richmondy, a little Richmondish because Richmond have got a lot of guys, and we'll see a lot of them today. Baker and um, yeah, you know, Prestia when he's up and going, and, and Short. They've got a lot of players who are very versatile and flexible and dangerous wherever they're playing. Now, Collingwood are really building that type of group as well. So, you know, the Dacos boys. Noble, Maynard, side bottoms versatile, Hoskin Elliott's versatile, Chris Bean half fo- uh, half back midfield, Penabry swapping with him, Lipinski half forward, coming up to play as an extra around the footy. He's number one at the Pies and score involvements. Dugowie's flexible, we know he can go mid and forward. So they've got a lot of guys who are versatile, and almost all of those guys that I named are really good ball users, really good by foot. Now, last night wasn't the night for elite ball use, was quite slippery and it was uh, it was hotly contested, but they are a talented group. They're probably they're going to need Darcy Moore's knee to be okay, um, so that's one that we'll watch intently. But uh, they'll probably need some more goal scoring. They need Elliot to continue to stay healthy and out there. My checks doing more than you could ask uh, from him. But I really like Collingwood. They're, they're I don't think this is a fluke, Ash. What they've done over the past uh, six weeks and it could carry on now. You know, they'll probably have a slip up here or there, but uh, to me, this is not a fluke, and I think they they are more than capable of of charging towards the top eight and and doing some damage. Well, they're unashamedly Richmond, aren't they? I mean, from they day are. one, Craig McRae said, "I'm yep. going to model." He's sort of, he's using the Alistair Clarkson model to model what he how he wants the club to, to club to operate, the football side to operate, but then the team itself. He's very much he wants to borrow from the Richmond. Mm, and Justin Leffitt would be playing and a, a, a part in that as well. well. So in the last six games, 1-6, 36, 4, 4, 26, 11 and 5. If you're inside a footy club, what is, are you saying? We know how to win the close ones. That, that standard's in good stead or are there elements of doubt that uh, we're not winning these games by enough or how, how does that play internally? Um, no, no, you definitely, you, you definitely take the positive um, route there. I don't think because I, I truly believe, look, I, 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 luck plays a large part in sport. L- luck plays a large part in life. Now, they uh, they are getting away with these games, but you know, to say that they're lucky would be just dismissing too much of what they're doing well, too much of, of their ball use and their pressure and the ability that Cameron and Cox have been able to step up in the absence of Grundy and being able to overcome the issues around Jordan Ngoi and all the distractions that that would have presented for them and being able to just continue to charge forward and win Queen's birthday. You don't win big games um, uh, with 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 uh, you being reliant on luck. It just doesn't happen. They finish games really well. I saw them against Cawthorn here and they finished that game really strongly. Queen's birthday, they finished really strongly. So I, I actually think it's a belief factor. I think they know once they're in a close game, they're going to find a way to win. And even last night when they were 14 points down, the, the tone of the game changed. And I think yep. the Suns retreated, went into their shells a little bit. And I think Collingwood, the, the belief at Collingwood that we can get ourselves back in, this was really apparent. I was in no doubt, even when I got the first of those goals back, 
I was in no doubt Kong was going to win the game. I was, I was a bit with you, watching it with the beautiful Evie. She was starting to panic, thinking, oh, no, oh, no, we've, we've thrown it away. We had to win this one. We've, you know, teams have done us favours around us, she was saying, but we, we've got to capitalise. I just kept saying, they're going to give you the opportunity, the Suns. Mm. They, they struggle to know at this stage to control tempo. Yeah, they're not tempo. there yet, the Suns. They're not no, there yet. 79 turnovers. They're number one in the comp for turnovers. I said, they're going to give you another look. They're going to give you another look. And... Sure enough, they did. It's one of the only things I've got right this weekend. But uh, not that I tip Collingwood, I actually tip the Suns. But that's something the coach said after Stewie Dewey said we didn't control tempo enough. We no. didn't make some of the right choices with the ball when they had the, when they had the fourteen point lead. Didn't slow the game down when they could have. And that'll be a huge growth uh, area, and and they'll, they'll spend a considerable amount of time early this week looking at the, take the emotion out of it because you, you you know we won't question our effort, and our intensity, and our uh, the ability that we gave ourselves to win the game. This was purely about learning and us evolving as a young group, and they'll look at that. Um, Collingwood's run is nice. It Their is. Their next four is real nice. But do, so this season, yes, Melbourne won 10 in a row, but streaks have been very hard to maintain. So Geelong are on a six-gamer. Mm-hmm. Collingwood are on a six-gamer. We've seen teams go on runs, but when they fall, they fall hard. So Collingwood have got North next week, and on all evidence, you'd expect them to, to win that. They've then got Adelaide in Adelaide. Now, Not Adelaide... Easy were within a kick early stages of the final term against the reigning premiers, who, yes, Collingwood have beaten, so I understand that. They've then got Essendon, and who knows what you're going to get there. It then gets a little trickier for them in the run home. So they finish with Port Adelaide, who are still in finals mix. Melbourne, again, can lightning strike twice in a year. Sydney in Sydney, and then Carlton to finish. What a, what a, what a final game of the year that is. Carlton, Collingwood... At the MCG, which could decide whether or not they make it and whether right. Carlton are in top four, or who knows? Can I throw this up to you yep. with the fixture? Um, given there's ten, given the finals, there's the finals by now, would you play Carlton Collingwood in a Monday night home and away game here to finish the season? Oh, hello. Oh, I like the out of the box. Ash is just bringing... <laughs> oh, just, I like that. This is purely just throw it up. A, a 7.15, 7.20 start on a Monday night. It's going to mean something. It's going to mean... The outrage army will be up and about, but... Oh, how good would it be? I'd love it. Oh, I'd, it I'd love it. Magnificent. Mate, NFL fan, Monday Night yeah, Football course. over in America is just out of control. So I like it, uh, whether it happens or not. I'll probably be leaning towards unlikely, more than likely. But that, Sam, that, so third, if you win 13, you're in. Are we, are, is, yeah, are we there like yet? Because they will... They're, they're in, mate. They're in. They they're, are in. Oh, they're playing I, finals. They'll, they'll and, rock and like I have, finals I have more abuse from Collingwood fans than ever because I said I think that they might just miss on percentage. I think they get the wins, but I think they miss on percentage when I did my ladder predictor. Nah. That was banking on the fact that I thought that Gold Coast could beat them, and all the numbers would point to the fact that the Suns probably should have won that game. But full credit to Collingwood because they made the most of their opportunities when they had them. Yes, they were inaccurate too, but when the game was on the line, they were the better team uh, on They might win the 15. But... So they may do. They may do. The thing about Collingwood, every year, every year, take away the last couple of years with COVID, they have a really good win on the road. For all the dog, you know, Collingwood never travelled. They do, don't they? But every year, Collingwood fans look back to The that West Coast final a couple of years yeah, ago was against all odds. Yeah, the time when they've had, the old days of Footy Park, they used to have yep. these backs to the walls wins. They're really good travellers, Collingwood. They find a way. Hey, you write them off at your own peril. I mean, they're getting results in, in closely fought games, and, and that. JJ, as you would know, you sometimes get more belief out of those than you do the, the blowout and, wins. And it's a skill in itself to be able to be composed and get the job done in those close games. Darcy Moore's the, the real issue. He was phenomenal again for them last night. 
Um, when you thought the Chole and, and uh, Casbolt were threatening, he came up with some big moments, as he always does, Darcy Moore. The hyperextension, we're waiting to get an official word. How did you see it, JJ? I, I think he'll get away with it. Now, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, so just, just <laughs> relax. But I, I did something very, very similar. So I... Um, Late in the game, I went to kick a ball out of midair and and sort of and straightened my leg and really jackknifed it really badly. Lay down and thought oh, I'm in big trouble. Yeah, you know, doctors checking for ACLs and all those sorts of things. Missed one. I think I missed a bye. We had a bye, then I missed one game, then I played. So I reckon he'll get away with it with just some bone bruising. Hopefully. So Craig McRae, Craig McRae agreed, um, but it was yeah, even Jack Ginneman saying that he was almost in tears watching it in the rooms uh, afterwards. Hey, quick VFLW grand final score, Essendon 3-3-21, uh, 13, almost 14 played in the second term. Southern Saints four behind, so uh, Essendon by 17 in the VFLW grand final. Hey, boys, uh, we're going to take a little breather. Jordan Canellis, Michael Barlow will be entertaining you for the next hour. Stick around, Sunday crunch time. We're gearing up for the Tigers and the Eagles at the MCG. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.